0: Welcome to Hence the Future podcast, I'm Madame Cronin, and today we're going to explore the meaning of life. I've had a number of listeners ask me about this topic, and given everything that's going on in the world right now, and all the challenges that the future poses, I can't think of a topic that would be more important for us to delve into. And for reference, a lot of the ideas I'm going to discuss in this episode were presented by Viktor Frankl, the famous psychotherapist who survived Auschwitz and the Nazi concentration camps. And through that experience, he was really able to see how people derive meaning from life and how that determines their ability to survive and thrive in life. So let's start with the big question. What is the meaning of life? It's important to recognize that there is no one general meaning in life. That will very much depend on the person, and even within the person, it will vary hour to hour and moment to moment. It's sort of like if you were to ask a chess grandmaster, what's the best chess move of all? Obviously, there's no one best move. It very much depends on the particular setup of that game. You know, What's the setup and the move you have to make right now? That will determine what the best move is for you. So even though there's not a generalized meaning of life that's common across all people, it's very crucial to find your own personal meaning in life. Otherwise, you're going to witness an existential vacuum. And, you know, Victor Frankl refers to this idea of an existential vacuum because this was directly what he witnessed in some of the prisoners in the concentration camp. So some of the prisoners took the attitude of, You know, everything is futile, I have no future, everything's been taken away from me, what's the point? You know, you can feel that existential vacuum where if you have no good prospects for the future and everything's been taken from you, it's easy to fall into that void and have feelings of emptiness, alienation, futility, aimlessness. And even in the modern day, we see this to a degree with the phenomenon of what's called the Sunday scaries. And you know, so this is less prevalent now with self-quarantine, but during the typical, you know, normal American work life on Sunday a lot of people will get this feeling of emptiness where they've had a hard work week, they've had an enjoyable weekend perhaps, but now they're realizing that they're about to start the cycle all over again. And they feel like their life is devoid of meaning. Like, why am I doing this? Oh man, I'm gonna have another work week. Is this really what I should be spending my time on? So, a lot of people have this issue of this existential vacuum. And, you know, Viktor Frankl was able to overcome that in the concentration camp because he had a purpose that kept him going. He would envision himself after being liberated, giving lectures at universities, talking about the nature of man's psychology that he witnessed firsthand. And this vision of himself in the future, providing value, was what kept him going in the concentration camp. And if you think about this, it's similar to another topic we've talked about in this podcast, which is the power of positive thinking. If you are already sort of planning for how you're going to improve the world and the future or what your future scenario will be and your plans, you make that future scenario more likely to occur. One concern I have right now is that a lot of people currently find their meaning from their work. And that's sort of been the traditional American way. You, You throw yourself into your work and that's the main source of meaning. Oftentimes in America, the first thing you'll ask someone is, Oh, what do you do? you know you won't hear that question in many european countries because it's seen as rude but in america it's so ingrained that that's part of your identity that that's often the first question someone will ask and you know my concern is that right now we have 15% unemployment and it's unclear if that number is going to go down or go up in the future and as automation rises and as people find ways to cut costs, which often includes cutting employees, there are going to be more and more people out of work, which means fewer people will be able to derive meaning from what they do day to day for work. And without having real meaning, this can lead to what Viktor Frankl refers to as the mass neurotic triad. Depression, addiction, and aggression. So these three attributes tend to arise whenever people are devoid of meaning, whenever they have an existential vacuum. So for depression, you know, this is something that's very much an issue right now. 20% of Americans are currently depressed. And with all the supply chain issues of the coronavirus, we actually currently have a shortage of antidepressants. We literally cannot get enough Zoloft into this country for the people who need it. So this is a major problem right now that a lot of americans are grappling with i myself have grappled with depression in the past and i've come out of it the other side i no longer have have an issue in that area but i can very much understand the feeling of it and you can fall into a depression where it almost feels comfortable and that can make it even harder to get out the second part of the mass neurotic triad is addiction and naval ravikant talks about how addiction really is the modern struggle because whereas everyone in the past had to struggle for not having enough right not having enough food not having enough uh, clothing whatever it is nowadays we live in a world of plenty and the most difficult challenge for people in modernity are to not is to not squander our time by binging television or netflix or social media or you know having tons of alcohol or overeating food or getting addicted to drugs and this is an incredibly big problem in america in particular 40 percent of americans are obese this is part of why the coronavirus death rate is so deadly in america and there's many more americans who are addicted to alcohol many more who are addicted to drugs especially fentanyl and opioids And of course, social media and television addiction is massive. And that also feeds into the feelings of being part of one tribe that hates another tribe and this divisiveness. So addiction really is one of the biggest challenges we have to overcome in in modern times. Aggression is the third part of the triad. And this is perhaps the most worrisome of all, because it can really have some dangerous effects. Um, you know, we saw this after, you know, the, the rise of Nazi Germany, where they were devoid of meaning. They had been totally screwed over after World War I. They didn't have great prospects for the future. They had mounds of debt. Their currency was totally devalued. So they went to a place of aggression and taking it out on their European neighbors. And, you know, that led to World War II. So aggression is a very serious uh, concern whenever there is this mass existential vacuum in a society. And we're seeing this a lot right now as well. So, you know, we're seeing tons of videos online of Karens, which is the phenomenon of, of you know, oftentimes, you know, white women having racist remarks against uh, people of color and calling the police on them and sort of using their white privilege to, uh, exert power over others. We're also seeing it with police who are being brutal against protesters needlessly. We're also seeing it from protesters themselves uh, being perhaps more brutal than, than they need to uh, against police. And, you know, we're seeing it from looters. So There's just so many instances right now of aggression. And this is a, a major concern as well. So what is the remedy for the existential vacuum and the mass neurotic triad well according to victor frankl it's logotherapy and he developed this form of therapy and it's quite unlike other forms of therapy you've probably heard of so logotherapy comes from the greek word logos which means meaning or purpose and the basic notion of logotherapy is that in order to thrive and in more dire circumstances survive we need to discover our personal meaning of life. And this is distinct from the will to power, which Nietzsche popularized, or the will to pleasure, which is Freudian. Instead, it talks about a will to meaning, which is that the fundamental driving force in our life is to find meaning in our existence. And the way this differs from traditional therapy is that normally we ask life ah, what is the meaning of life? As if life is supposed to give us some answer. But the difference with logotherapy is that life is really asking you, what is the meaning of your life? So you can almost think of life as serving up these different situations that you have to take on. And however you respond to those situations determines the meaning that you derive from life. So even in the most dire circumstances, like Viktor Frankl was literally starving, and in the freezing cold with rags on his back, and all he would get is some little pieces of bread. And you can still, even in those circumstances, find meaning in life from giving a little bit of your bread to someone who's even more unfortunate than you are, who's even closer to the grave than you are. Or you might find meaning in life by simply seeing a beautiful bird appear on the barbed wire and just relishing in that beauty for a moment, even though the rest of your life is totally in chaos and despair. So finding meaning in life and finding your personal meaning is the best remedy to an existential vacuum. The other major difference between logotherapy and traditional therapy is that logotherapy very much focuses on the present and the future. What are you going to do with your life situation right now with the circumstances that life serves up to you, and how is that gonna determine the meaning of your life in the future on an ongoing basis, moment to moment. Whereas traditional therapy very much focuses on the past, and it's very introspective. So in a traditional therapy session, you know the therapist will ask you all these questions about your upbringing your past you know were you abused as a child do you have abandonment issues like what's the real reason let's dig deep let's let's bring up all the negative baggage and air it out and that is supposed to cure you of your neuroses now Viktor Frankl is very much against that way of giving therapy because If you really focus on the negative and negative things that have happened to you in the past, then that becomes bigger and bigger part of your psyche. It's the more thought and energy you give to something, the more power it can have over you. And this can also play into the ego where you tell yourself some story of your life and it can lead to a victim narrative oftentimes. So rather than focusing on the negative and all the bad things that have happened in the past and all the ways that you've been mistreated and haven't had the right opportunities, instead, you know, taking all of that as fact, how are you going to respond right now? And how will that determine your meaning in life? So by it's really a, a, a philosophy that's less about introspection and it's more about action. It's about what you do rather than what you think. And that's why it's also something that, you can't really practice in a cave, you know, alone, isolated. It's something that you really practice day to day with your life and your encounters with others others. You know, if you go to a coffee shop and the barista is really rude to you, how do you respond? Do you stoop down to their level and are rude back to them? Or do you just smile and go about your day and be the bigger person? However you respond, that determines your meaning not only that it also affects the rest of the world so if you are the bigger person to that barista then maybe that changes that barista's perspective a little bit or they decide to be a bit nicer next time whereas if you're always sort of stooping to their level and you know focusing on the negative then that creates a feedback loop of negativity that spreads throughout the world and finding meaning in life isn't just a nice to have it really is the fundamental determinant of your ability to survive and thrive in life. You know, Viktor Frankl found that people who were able to derive meaning were able to survive much better than those who had pretty much given up. So I would ask you, and I've asked this myself, what is the meaning of your life? Is it purposeful work? Is it love? Is it finding meaning in suffering? These are the three main areas that Viktor Frankl speaks about as being sources of meaning of life. So purposeful work is definitely the most common and this is the notion of pushing society forward. So this can come in many forms. You might be focused on truth and this is one of my big driving forces is that I very much focus on the truth. I want to figure out what's real, what's just a, an example of bias, you know, how can we really look at the data and look at our experiences to figure out what is the ground truth. Other people are motivated by beauty. You know, my brother's an artist. Uh, My wife is an art director. There are some people who are just very much naturally drawn to creating beauty in this world and capturing beauty and sharing that with others, others to give them a little bit of a perspective that maybe they were missing. And It could also be justice. Some people are very driven by justice and how can we rectify the wrongs against people and improve the system? One of the things that worries me is that there are too many people playing the zero-sum game of status and not enough people playing the positive-sum game of wealth creation. So Naval talks a lot about this and Status games are by their very nature zero sum because your status is hierarchical. For me to be more woke than someone else, I have to put them down and show others why they are less woke than me. And we see this play out on Twitter and social media and everywhere. And it's really, I think, a dangerous game to be playing because rather than having love sort of extended to everyone in society, you're only extending it to your certain in-group, whether your in-group is the police or your in-group is Democrats or whatever it is, we have created these little circles of people who are worthy of our love and we're not extending that love to people outside that circle. So rather than playing status games that are zero sum and you only you, you have to put people down in order to, quote, win, we should be playing wealth creation games that are positive sum. And by wealth, I don't just mean money. I mean everything that, that is required to live a good life. So being able to have the freedom to do what you want with your time, being able to have a roof over your head, to be able to provide for your family. We should be focusing on how to create maximum wealth for our society, because that will improve the lives of everyone. And that's positive sum. If someone else is doing better economically, then they're going to spend more and that's going to improve the economy and it'll create a positive feedback loop. But if we get into these negative feedback loops of of the status games, uh, you know, it just creates more divisiveness. The third and final source for meaning in one's life that Viktor Frankl refers to is suffering. And this sounds a little counterintuitive. How can suffering have meaning? But as someone who went through the most atrocious experiences one can almost go through, Viktor Frankl realized that finding meaning in your suffering enabled him to go on. And, you know, he also would help people even after his experiences using the same technique. So I'll give an example to illustrate it. A man came to him, a man who was in his sixties or seventies, and he was in total despair because his wife had just died. And he was deep in mourning and he really didn't know, how can I go on? And rather than take the traditional therapist approach of, you know, digging deep into the past and all of that, Viktor Frankl would just ask him a question and say, well, what would it be like right now if if you had died first and your wife had lived on? And the man realized that he was actually sparing his wife so much suffering by being the one that had to live on. And so he immediately felt this lightness because he now had meaning to his suffering, that by going on and living his life, even after his beloved wife had died, he was actually, in a way, sparing his wife additional suffering. And just that little bit of, of positive uh, you know, take on his suffering was able to totally change his perspective on life. and. I would also say that something that's relevant here is Naval's quote of, the point of life is to feel something. So, so often in life we try to distract ourselves from any sort of emotions. Like if we feel the least little bit of boredom, we pull out our phones. Or if we feel sad, we will distract ourselves, we'll take drugs or alcohol, or we'll overeat. But sometimes it's not always bad to feel something it's sometimes it's good to feel the real emotions and you sort of want to experience life in all of its varieties. You don't want to have this bland sort of muted experience of life. And I'll just end this little section with a quote taken directly from the book Man's Search for Meaning where he says, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. Now, let's get into the future scenarios. Let's talk about the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is that we continue asking life, what is your meaning, rather than realizing it's life that's asking us what the meaning is. If we fail to realize this, then we'll get stuck in the existential vacuum and society will become overwhelmed by the mass neurotic triad of depression, addiction and aggression. And this is to a large extent already the case. I'm concerned that this could lead to a terrible outcome because if we have a breakdown of trust between neighbors, between different groups within our society and within political parties and different ideologies, That could lead to a breakdown of systems, and that could lead to a breakdown of progress. And we could really see ourselves moving backwards rather than forwards when it comes to progress. Let's go to the best case scenario. Best case scenario. For the best case scenario, I want to open with a quote from Nietzsche where he says, He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. And i very much believe that if we collectively can figure out our why then we will be able to overcome any challenge that the future throws at us and what that will require is for us to find a why that's not just within a little subgroup of our society but it needs to be a why that all of us can get behind and Ideally, it would not just be on the national level of, okay, what's the why for America? But ideally, it would be on a global level, all countries, and maybe even all beings, all earthlings. What is the why for us? And if we can do that, and we can focus on that why, I have no doubt that we will be able to colonize the stars, we'll expand our lifespan, we will improve the environment, we'll be able to bring people out of poverty, and we can just create an incredible future for all species and all earthlings. Let's get into the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario. The most likely scenario is that you have good days and bad days, and I feel this as much as anyone. There are some days where I feel up feel depressed you know I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and it's all I can do just to get through the day now luckily those days have been occurring less and less frequently Uh, you know certainly when I was in my adolescence uh, I would experience that far more but the important thing is that you don't let yourself fall into that vacuum and have it be a recurring place that you find yourself frequently It's okay if you have that every once in a while, but you don't wanna have that feeling be your baseline. You want to have your baseline being recognizing the meaning in life. And even in the most trying of times, like the worst possible situation you could have, if you can continue to find meaning in that, even if it's meaning in your suffering. So think if you got diagnosed with an incurable disease, even in that situation, you can find meaning by how you respond to that suffering. And you can go through personal growth and actually become a bigger and better person by having faced those challenges. And part of the major fear that people have is they have this fear of what's gonna happen at the end if they die, if they have something really painful. You know, Alan Watts calls this the screamy memes. Like you just worry about the worst possible thing that could happen. But the reality is, is that all that exists is the present moment. So if you just focus on how you respond to each present moment, then you'll never have a moment that's unbearable. You know, oftentimes when you have this anxiety of what's going to happen, you're actually bringing that future negative emotional state into the presence and you're feeling the fear that you are going to, you know, eventually have to face right now before you even have to face it. So even if you're dying of a really painful disease, if you just focus on okay, how am I going to respond each moment, moment to moment, then you'll realize no one moment is really that terrible and you can come out of out of it with actually having become a a bigger better person by having faced those challenges. So I think that's important to recognize. Another Exercise that I've found is like is pretty amusing and useful is look at someone's Twitter timeline, like all the tweets they have posted. If you do that, you can kind of see what it's like to live inside their own brain. So go to someone's Twitter profile, like they're, you know, one of your friends or something, and are they always tweeting about Trump? Well, (laughs) then you can kind of realize that that's a lot of what they're thinking about day to day, which is probably not very healthy. Are they always criticizing others or finding fault in others or playing status games where they're virtue signaling and trying to be more woke and put others down for not being woke enough? Well, then this is probably not someone who you want to emulate. If You, you can still push society forward and be critical in a constructive way if you focus on the positive and if you focus on the effects of your actions rather than what they signal or or you know focus on your ego or how it makes you feel. So I would say as long as we don't focus our energy on criticizing others and putting others down and playing these zero sum games and instead we focus on improving society especially as it relates to making sure every person has a basic level of income that they can provide themselves for housing and food and the basic necessities of life everyone can get some medical care so they don't have to worry about going bankrupt if they have an unexpected diagnosis and everyone can have access to high quality education if we focus all our efforts on these three things that will create far more good than any sort of virtue signaling or putting down or or identity politics that we could have so I think it's crucial that you know we can't do this all at once on a society level. All we can do is really change ourselves and trust that sort of the butterfly effects of how you live your life and how we all live our lives will eventually emerge as this movement of positivity. So if we can all find our niche in life, which is the specific tasks that are suited for us and find our meaning in life based on how we respond to the present moment then we will be able to create a better future for all beings. And I'll end this most likely scenario with a quote directly taken from the book. Live as if you were already living for the second time and as if you had acted as wrongly the first time as you are about to act now. Thank you for tuning in. I wish you the very best. I hope that you find the meaning in your life. And we'll see you next time for episode 100, which will be the first happened. episode of season 2 of Hence happened? the Future. And what will see you there. The best, the present, and the future.